the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We've spent the last couple of days exploring Paul's boldness in the gospel. Let's take a look at that one main element that really set him free to be bold. That's coming up next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. The Apostle Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. And the reason why is because he knew how ashamed of his sin he was. And the contrast is really quite stark. If we understand how shameful our sin is and what God has done to remedy that, relieve us of that shame, guilt, penalty, well, it does set us free to be rather bold for the gospel. So let's take a look at the darkness of our foolish hearts. It's a dark but necessary look at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 32. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Remember Paul saw Rome as a very likely beachhead, a place to begin the harvesting of the Gentile world for Christ. If the gospel can make it in Rome which was the capital of the world at that time. And if the church is established there, the gospel will be able to go anywhere. So for these Roman believers, Paul knew they needed more than just snippets. They needed a full gospel presentation, a full-orbed system of doctrine. So he begins where the gospel begins, with our fall into sin with our fall into judgment and our corruption and our depravity. (coughs) And think of these Roman believers and of ourselves, living surrounded with so much evil in their lives. Unless they had clear views of sin, what could possibly happen? You see, the more you're around sin, the less shocking it is to you. And the less shocking sin is to you, the looser hold you have on the gospel. These believers needed to remember from what they had been delivered. Think of these corruptions. Think of these debaucheries. The fact that not everyone has every one of them is beside the point. Just pick one. Pick disobedience to parents. Pick backbiting. Pick malice. That one sin is sufficient to bring us to hell forever under God's judgment. So Paul wanted these believers to see the whole gospel. He wanted them to remember how absolutely dependent they were upon God's grace and mercy. Were they holier than before they became Christians? If so, well, God did that. Had some of them undoubtedly been delivered from the perversions that we are going to look at next week? Lesbianism, sodomy. Yes, they had. But God did that. They can't take any credit at all for it. 
And these sins we have here in this list are not the only ones that are considered worthy of death. He puts disobedience to parents in there. He puts gossip in there. He puts hatred in there. So pick any one of these. Paul says, if you have been delivered, it is because Almighty God has come himself with his omnipotence and rescued you. These verses, chapter 1, verse 18, will really, through to chapter 3, verse 20, have often been given the title of the universal condemnation of all men, Jew and Gentile. Now, of course, he begins with the Gentiles because these Romans were Gentiles. But he includes the Jews too. All men have been stained by depravity. And all men must cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ if there is any hope of deliverance and refuge. Now, in verse 18, he gives a theme for us today that is not very popular then, nor is it today. He said, heaven reveals God's wrath. The wrath of God against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. Now, when we think of God as being wrathful and anger, angry, we need to do something first, very carefully. We need to distinguish our violent passions from the wrath of God. They don't really have much in common, if anything. You know, we get angry if someone cuts us off in traffic, and we'll curse total strangers of whom we have no idea who they are. Maybe they just heard their wife was injured in a horrible car accident, and they had to rush to meet her, and yet we are cursing them for cutting us off and interfering with our convenient little drive. You see, our wrath is so stupid, very often, but not God's wrath. God's wrath is his determined opposition to everything that offends his holiness. Let me say that again. God's wrath is his determined opposition to everything that offends his holiness. And with that determined opposition comes an intent to punish. Remember when God revealed his glory to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 7? What was part of God's message to Moses? I will by no means leave the guilty unpunishment. And that means you and that means me. Do you have any of these sins mentioned? Do you have even an aroma of them in your life? Do you have other sins that Paul doesn't even list here? You will be punished in hell forever, Paul says, if you do. He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. By no means. His own holiness demands the punishment of sinners. Scripture says, the sin, the soul that sins, it shall die. Psalm 711, those sweet psalms we so love. 
God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, why wrath here at the beginning? Why bring it now to the forefront? Well, there are several reasons. But this one must be at the top of them all. It is because one of the greatest motivations for us to repent and believe the gospel is a sense of God's anger with us for our sins. And it is always a just anger. It's not a capricious anger. It's not an unwarranted anger. It is a just anger. And one of the first shadows that the gospel is taking root in your life is this sensibility to the fact that I have offended a holy God. Yes, other people may have too. But I'm not going to answer for any of them. I can't compare myself to how bad other people may be. When I stand before God, I am going to face the fact that I have offended him in so many ways. Now, men today laugh at this. You often hear that the fear of hell never scared anyone into heaven. Well, God says otherwise. And my testimony says otherwise. I remember a sermon by Rusos West Dooney when I was 24 years old. Where he talked about disobedience and judgment. It wasn't the entire focus of his sermon, but that stood out for me. And I remember thinking, I'm going to hell because I've rebelled against God. And I remember a kind of chilling fear that came over me. Praise God, Rush didn't end his sermon there. But he spoke of the gospel that I heard so clearly for the first time which I had not heard in earlier presentations from anyone. Holy Spirit was definitely working on me that day. And of course, since then, I have found that's not a unique experience in the church. Go to the Psalms with me for a couple of minutes and let's look at David. Look in Psalm chapter 6, verse 1. And please keep in mind, David was a believer when he made these comments, David was a very holy man. He was holier than any of us will ever be, most likely, in terms of his usefulness to God and in terms of him being a man after God's own heart. But with all of his flaws, with all of his sins, notice what he says here. He doesn't say, oh, well, God will forgive me. I've done a lot of good things for God. I mean, I killed Goliath after all. Look at Psalm chapter 6, verse 1. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Chapter 27, verse 9. Hide not thy face from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Chapter 30, verse 5. For he is angry, which David had obviously been feeling, endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Chapter 38, verse 1. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. 
verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. You see, even as a believer, David was motivated to flee to God's mercy. Why? Because of his awareness of his sins. That with his tongue, with his thoughts, with his attitude, with the way he treated other people, he had offended a holy God. But of course, it's not unique to David. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.11, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuaded men. Knowing the terror of the Lord? John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, to the assembled crowd, Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And of course, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, Paul says, We by faith have fled to God for refuge. So everywhere in Scripture, we are reminded that one of the things God does when He brings us to feel the power of the gospel is that He shows us His holiness and that He hates sin and that He will punish that sin. And all the people in cemeteries are either in hell or they sought mercy from that wrath through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, cemeteries are the great dividing line. Because no one puts on the headstone, he was a great Republican. No one puts on a headstone that he was white. No one puts on a headstone that he drove a Mercedes. I mean, when you lay there in your casket and it is covered with dirt, by then your destiny is already decided. It is either the wrath of heaven revealed on earth that will be felt by you through all eternity, or it will be the mercy that God gives to those who flee from that wrath and flee from that judgment to come and look to the Lord Jesus Christ as all of their righteousness. Oh, it's a sad day today. That instead of preaching honestly to men of our condition, like Paul does here, we want therapy. Sinners don't need massaging. Sinners need warning. I need warning. You need warning. And the first fourth of Romans is a warning of evil and the dangers of sin and the certainty of judgment. Do you know why there is not a whole lot of urgency today in gospel preaching? There's a great deal of urgency about placating and making everyone feel okay. But there's no urgency in preaching, repent, today is the day of salvation. Do you know why? It is because many of those who claim to be called to speak in God's name, they themselves have a very low views of God's holiness and very deficient views of sin. But when the church recovers this sense, not only will her preaching recover its urgency and its biblical content, but our witness in the world will be taken seriously again. Our message in the world is not, hey, 
Follow these three principles with us and your life will be better. And our life will be better. And we'll all be happy Christian Americans together. One of the church's primary witnesses in the world is there is a God. There is sin. There is judgment. And you will go to hell unless you repent and believe God's mercy that he freely offers in his son. I mean, if we don't take our own gospel seriously, beloved, is the culture ever going to take it seriously? I think not. Paul wanted the Romans to take it very seriously, obviously, from our text. And you know, we have been warned that this is one of the church's main duties. What is the Holy Spirit doing today? What is one of his main works in the world today? Well, of course, it's making us feel better, right? Please turn to John chapter 16, verse verses 18, or 8 through 11. What does the Holy Spirit do? Oh, he makes us speak in tongues, right? Makes us roll around on the floor and bark like dogs. He takes away all of our problems. Makes us feel good about Jesus. No. Notice one of, the, of his primary works, John 16, 7. These are words of warning from Christ himself. I tell you the truth. It is expedient or necessary for you that I go away. In other words, ascending to the Father. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And of course, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. You know, when we won't talk about judgment in the church and when we won't talk about sin... We're actually guilty of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because this is one of his primary works. Now, it's not his only work, but it has to start here because why am I going to flee Jesus if we don't? I don't need a big brother in the sky, do you? We flee to Christ to flee from wrath and awareness that I have sinned against the Holy God and I have broken his commandments. And this is the foundation of the true gospel. And Paul says we are not going to be aroused to come to Jesus. And we're not going to be kept by Jesus unless we deal honestly and face honestly our sin and our condemnation before a holy God. And we must therefore fear God's threats. You do understand who's speaking of sin here, right? And of righteousness and of judgment. It's not me. I'm simply mud that happens to be breathing right now until God calls me home. It is not me. You don't stand before me and you never will. I'm not going to hold the gavel. I am dust that happens to be animated for a brief period of time in God's providence. God is the one who is issuing these threats. 
And he is threatening us. Why it is like parents, is it like parents threaten us? Well, I'm going to put you on time out. No, no. When God threatens, the threats come from his holiness. When God threatens, his threats come from justice. And he says, I mean this. If you do not repent, you will perish, said our Savior in Luke chapter 13. And throughout the New Testament. Now let's look what else we're supposed to do with this in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Why is this wrath so severe? I mean, can't we all just be nice? After all, we're all Americans. You see, this is a lot of the political message we hear today. Don't let your religious differences separate you or your racial differences. After all, we're all Americans. Just put all of these infant insignificant things behind. Beloved, we can't put this behind. If we put this behind, we have closed the lid on our own culture. If the gospel does not go out and save men, this nation will be turned into hell as one of the many nations in the history of the world that has forgotten God. And why is the persecution of sin that the Holy Spirit gives here so important? This warning of judgment. Why should we take it seriously? Well, let's just go through verses 8 through 13 and we'll see how horrible our blindness is to sin. It is horrible. And this is just the beginning of this section here. I'll just go through each phrase and I'll talk about each one for a couple of minutes. He says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress or resist the truth in unrighteousness. Now, remember who we are. God made us in his own image. He made us to walk with him in knowledge and righteousness and in holiness. Uh, let me tell you, not a single one of us has done this. Not one. No one who has ever lived after Adam's fall has ever fulfilled God's calling upon us to be his image bearers or to reflect his purity, his righteousness, his holiness. But it's not just that we fail. We suppress the truth. We hold the truth in unrighteousness. He's going to say, we know these things to be true. We're made in God's image. All men know it, even the most hardened. But what do we do? We hold it back. And we try to convince ourselves desperately that what we really believe in our hearts, we don't believe. You see, that's called self-deception because we resist God's truth. We don't want it. We don't like it. It pinches us and presses us, but we can't escape it. Notice verse 19. Because that which is known of God is manifested in them, but God has shown it to them. For God has shown it to them. Every single one of us in this room is made in God's image. Every single one of us knows that God has made us with his own hands. 
Every single person who has lived on the face of this earth has known this. Of course, many, many people deny it. Don't you know there's an atheist society? Not really. There is a self-deception society that developed a philosophy to justify their self-deception, and they call themselves atheists. God says, I have showed it to them. In other words, this revelation, if I can use this terminology, gets through to them. Now, of course, it is suppressed. It is denied. Self-deception kicks in. But remember who has done the manifestation, manifesting here. God has. You've got numerous philosophy professors, science professors, all kinds of professors, probably in terms of a comparative majority in all of the universities who teach God does not exist. God is not necessary to understand life, but they know the truth that they are made in God's image and that they owe their life to him, but they hate that fact. They can pretend otherwise. They can deny it, but it doesn't matter. God tells us who men are. We don't get to tell him who we are. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.